Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the podcast, talking about Thomas Love Peacock. I'm sure he does love a peacock, and Caroline Southing. Um, I really liked Peacock. I thought his poems were awesome. And Swim says, "Among fishy says, I also very much liked Peacock." For me, it's these bright spots where the poems really shine bright that makes up for the plodding through the mundane poetry. Peacock was an accomplished poet, essayist, and opera critic, but is primarily known as the satirical novelist. For example, Nightmare Abbey was a topical work of gothic fiction in which the author satirised tendencies in contemporary English literature, in particular romanticism, obsession with morbid subjects misanthropy and transcendental philosophical systems. Most of its characters are based on people whom Peacock wished to pillory. Five of his novels are available on Project Gutenberg. Well, there you go. Good to know. I'm going to bookmark it. Wow. (laughs) This is Gutenberg. Um, They are in Gutenberg. And they are um, listed, the five, sorted by popularity. Most popular to least popular. Nightmare Abbey is in first place with a huge grand total of 114 downloads. Isn't that crazy? This fantastic writer, his best book, it's up there for free. 114 downloads. That, to me, is just almost so obscure. You. <laughs> Toby's here in case you miss that. He's asleep and he's sneezing. Swim said the mouthful. She said also Caroline Southie was the second wife of Robert Southie, who we read a few pages back. Both of Caroline's parents died when she was a child and she lost the majority of her inheritance through the improper dealings of one of her guardians. Her adoptive stepbrother, Colonel Bruce, provided him, her with an annual allowance of 150 pounds, but she soon found this to be inadequate and began writing to supplement her income, which is how she met Robert. She's most now mostly known for her friendship with Robert, but she was much more than that. Her relationship with Robert, I should say. Um, much more than that. Her biography is really interesting and short. Read. Short, you say? Okay. You know the way to my heart, Swim. Grew up as a sheltered only child in idyllic Buckland, England. William Gilpin, the off-sided father of the picturesque, was the local parson at the time who taught her elementary reading and writing skills and encouraged her to draw. Her mother's death in 1816 left her alone and financially destitute. Fortunately, her father's adopted son, Colonel Bruce, insisted that she accept an annuity which allowed her to keep the family home. Bowles was an experimental and dexterous writer whose publications represent a range of forms. Prose fiction, dramatic monologue, verse satire, and blank verse autobiography. In her lifetime, she published five books, two books of prose, five of verse, and one miscellany of mixed prose and verse. Driven by financial need, in 1818 she contacted poet laureate Robert Southey, 
Southey was well known for his willingness to help women and working class poets, so it is not unusual for young writers to ask his literary advice. In response to her, Ellen Fitzarthur, a metrical tale, Southey replied, You have the eye, the ear, and the heart of a poetess. And they began their friendship and correspondence. When they met in 1820, Southey suggested that they form a secret intellectual union to collaborate on a lengthy Robin Hood poem. Southey describes his project as quasi-material terms, oddly anticipating their actual marriage almost 20 years later. The secret itself would be delightful, while we thought proper to keep it. Still more so the spiritual union, which death would not part. Um... Cool. All right. It goes on. I'll stop there. Um, sounds like she was an interesting person. Where are we up to? You know, I was thinking actually about this. So today we have we've read, read Caroline Southey, and we're up to Lord Byron. And, of course, Lord Byron, being Lord Byron, um, oh, there's only six pages of Lord Byron, but I'm only going to do just one today because I feel like Lord Byron is a big one. You know, there's much to discuss. So, 1788, George Gordon Byron, comma, Lord Byron, was born. He died in 1824. First poem is called When We Two Parted. When we two parted in silence and tears, half broken, hearted to sever for years, pale grew thy cheek and cold, colder thy kiss, truly that hour foretold sorrow to this. The dew of the morning sunk chill on my brow. It felt like the warning of what I feel now. The vows are all broken, and light is thy fame. I hear thy name spoken, and share in its na- shame. They name thee before me, and now to mine ear a shudder comes over me. A shudder comes over me. Why wert thou so dear? They know not I knew thee. Who knew thee too well? Long, long shall I rue thee too deeply to tell. If something went dunk, then that was Toby punching the microphone. (laughs) In secret we met, in silence I grieve, that thy heart could forget, forget thy spirit deceive. If I should meet thee after long years, how should I greet thee with silence and tears? This one's called For Music. There be none of beauty's daughters like a magic, with a magic like thee, and like music on the waters is thy sweet voice to me, when as if its sounds were causing, the charmed oceans pausing, the waves lie still and gleaming, and the lulled winds seem dreaming, and the midnight moon is weaving her bright chain over the deep, whose breast is gently heaving as an infant's sleep. So the spirit bows before thee to listen and adore thee with a full but soft emotion like the swell of summer's ocean. We'll go no more a-roving. So, we'll go no more a-roving, so late into the night, though the heart be still as loving, 
and the moon be still as bright. For the sword outwears its sheath, and the soul wears out the breast, and the heart must pause to breathe, and love itself have rest. Though the night was made for loving, and the day returns too soon, yet will go no more a-roving by the light of the moon. She walks in beauty. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies, and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes, thus mellowed to that tender light which heaven to goldy day denies. One shade the more, one ray the less, had half impaired the nameless grace, which waves in every raven trees, or softly lightens over her face. Tress, sorry, not trees. <laughs> which waves in every raven tress, or softly lightens over her face, where thoughts serenely sweet express how pure, how dear their dwelling place. And on that cheek, and over that brow, so soft, so calm, yet eloquent, the smiles that win the tints that glow, but tell of days in goodness spent, a mind at peace with all below, a heart whose love is innocent. The Isles of Greece The Isles of Greece, the Isles of Greece, where spurning Sappho loved and sung, where grew the arts of war and peace, where Delos rose and Phoebus sprung, eternal summer gilds them yet, but all except their sun is set, the scion and the tin muse, the hero's harp, the lover's lute, have found the fame, your shores refuse, their place of birth along, alone is mute, to sounds which echo further west than your sire's islands of the blessed. The mountains look on Marathon, and Marathon looks on the sea, and musing there an hour alone, I dreamed that Greece might still be free, for standing on the Persian's grave I could not deem myself a slave. A king sate on the rocky brow which looks over sea-born Salamis, and ships by thousands lay below, and men in nations all were his. He counted them at break of day, and when the sun set, where were they? And where are they? And where art thou, my country, O thy voiceless shore? The heroic lay is tuneless now, the heroic bosom beats no more, and must thy lyre so long divine degenerate into hands like mine? Tis something in the death of fame, though linked among a fettered race, to feel at least a patriot's shame, as even as I sing, suffuse my face. For what is left the poet here, for Greeks a blush, for Greece a tear? Must we but weep over days more blessed, must we but blush over our fathers bled? Earth, render back from out thy breast a remnant of our Spartan dead, of the three hundred grant, but three to make a new thermoplee. What? Silent still and silent all? Oh no, the voices of the dead sound like a distant torrent's fall. An answer, let one living head but one arise. We come, we come, tis but the living who are dumb. In vain, in vain, strike other chords, fill high the cup with Samian wine. Leave battles to the Turkish hordes and shed the blood of Seo's vine. Hark! Rising to the noble call, how answers each bold Bacchanal. You have the Pyrrhic dance as yet. Where is the Pyrrhic phalanx gone? Of two such lesson, why forget the nobler and the manlier one? You have the letters Cadmus gave. 
think ye he meant them for a slave. Fill high the bowl with Samian wine, we will not think of themes like these. It made Anacreon's song divine, he served but served Polycrates, a tyrant, but our masters then were still at least our countrymen. The tyrant of the Chersonese was freedom's best and bravest friend, that tyrant was Miltiades. Oh, that the present hour would lend another despot of the kind, such chains as his were sure to bind. Fill high the bowl with Simeon wine, O Suli's rock and Parga's shore, exists the remnant of a line such as the Doric mothers bore, and there perhaps some seed is sown the Heraclidian blood might own. Trust not for freedom to the Franks, they have a king who buys and sells in native swords and native ranks, the only hope of courage dwells. But Turkish force and Latin fraud would break your shield however broad. Fill high the bowl with Samian wine, our virgins dance beneath the shade. I see their glorious black eyes shine, but gazing on each glowing maid. My own, the burning teardrop laves, to think such breasts must suckle slaves. Place me on the Sunium's marbled steep, where nothing save the waves and I may hear our mutual murmurs sweep. There, swan-like, let me sing and die, and this land of slaves shall never be mine. Dash down yon cup of Samian wine. I'm going to read Sir Aubrey de Vere as well, because it's just one poem. Born 1788, died in 1846. It's called The Children Band. All holy influences dwell within the breast of childhood. Instincts fresh from God inspire it. Here, the heart beneath the rod of grief. Grief hath bled or caught the plague of sin. How mighty was that fervor which could win its way to infant souls. And was the sod of Palestine by infant croisers trod. Like Joseph went they forth, or Benjamin, in all their touching beauty to redeem. And did their soft lips kiss the sepulchre? Sepulture, alas, the lovely pageant has a dream. Faded, they sank not through in noble fear. They felt not Moslem steel by mountain stream. In sands, in fens, they died. No mother near. And that's Sir Aubrey de Vere. And those are our poets for today. Hope you loved it. See you tomorrow.